Welcome to the Knock Knock Who's There podcast, the official voice of the Knock Academy. At the Knock Academy, we help busy parents and professionals like you move more and feel great via online group and one-on-one coaching. And this podcast will do the same. Each week on the show, your hosts, Gareth and Nikki Knock, will be talking to Knock Academy members about their fitness successes and struggles. We will also feature health and fitness experts sharing useful information and tips to help you achieve your goals. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Knock, knock. Who's there? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, This is Carl, Carl Anthony. um, Friends with Gareth and the Knock Academy for many, many years. Fellow podcaster. I don't know how else to introduce myself. Um, Sounds good. You know, men's mental health advocate. Uh, I am a journeyman, conversationalist. Oftentimes difficult to get along with. But uh, Gareth has tolerated me for many, many years. So thanks for having me on today, bud. Of course, pleasure. I couldn't think of a, uh, I couldn't think of a person that fits the mold of this month's conversations better than you. So uh, yeah, as uh, as everyone listening uh, heard, and obviously a welcome to everyone listening. And as you heard a little bit about our guest today, and yeah, longtime friend, uh, one of my closest closest friends on the planet. And look, here's here's what I want to open with today before we dive into the conversation. Obviously, throughout the month, if you've been listening in, you'd have heard all these incredible conversations about men's mental health, how this is aligned with Movember. This actually goes back to uh, some uh, Movember conversations we both had a few years back on another show. But look, the conversations that we're having, this ability to have these one-on-one conversations between men and share these started with the conversations that we had in private and then eventually on a podcast and you know i'm you're great at taking um you know taking credits i'm sure you'll love this is without those initial conversations and without that platform, that was sarcasm everyone by the way <laughs> i definitely uh i definitely wouldn't be having so many conversations and and been able to access a lot of the platforms i've had without those because it was a a big jumping off point for for these extended conversations that are really important. So I need everyone to know that, but also to thank you for uh, being part of those early conversations. So yeah, thanks. You know what? I accept that. Thank you. And I guess just a little bit of added texture. Uh, I don't even know if they're still up and still available, but because of the intimacy that we gave each other permission to express that allowed really the birth of of we as men which was the old podcast that we ran and start talking was our philosophy and i mean geez we learned so much over the course of those whatever 250 300 episodes that we did over the course of three years we had so many incredible conversations with men and women around the world and before we jump into this uh, i want to say two things one uh, the the need for men to communicate with men is evident and perhaps never more critical than now in these rapidly changing ecosystems that we all live in. And there's something else that I, I'm sure you've got a good cross-section of listeners, both men and women. And yes, this is Movember, you know, men, mental health, prostate cancer, et cetera. But 
one thing, and I think you'll agree, Gareth, one thing that became really evident to us over the course of, you know, our, our three years working on that other podcast was how many women are ambassadors for men's mental health. It, this isn't a versus. It's not one is more important than the other. It's we we have so many ambassadors in in the female community that you know for a plethora of reasons not the least of which women will benefit from improved men's mental health as well but i just to the men out there that are listening like you're so not alone not only are you not alone within your own within your own gender but you're not alone within within members of the opposite sex like it's we all we all want each of you, each of us, to be the best version of yourself. So I just wanted to put that little note in there. Yeah, I think that's really important and interesting enough. When I uh, spoke recently in an event, it, there was a we kind of pre pre kind of like a disclaimer at the beginning to say this is exactly that. Like we're not we're not taking the space of important conversations that women are having and, and safe spaces for them to. To, to talk and to do, you know, whatever they need to do for their growth and development. We're not trying to get in the way of that. We're just trying to say, hey, we're here and we want a platform too. It's not a versus, like it's nothing to do with, you know, anything in history or any of those things. Like we're in it together. And we were very fortunate to have a panel that was, you know, hosted by, uh, by, a, by a, you know, a female advocate for men's mental health. And, you know, I'm very honored to have that. So I, in a total agreement. And so I think this is the, this is where we're going to kick it off today. We are both in agreement of this and we're going to dive into what we mean in a bit more detail, but I'm going to let you take the lead after I set it up. We are both in agreement as are many other men that I've spoken to, and I'm sure you have a lot of the reason why we're seeing this degrading of men's mental health. We're seeing the, uh, we're seeing us kind of, you know, a lot of people slipping into, you know, the darker places and struggling with their mental health is a lot to do with us not doing enough of what we need to be doing both you know this could be your career this could be your hobbies this could be socially this could be conversations with other men is we are we are doing we are leaning into what society expects us to conform to rather than what we should be doing and i'd love to hear a bit more of you know kind of your thoughts on that and your opinion on that as a as a diving in point there was some interesting choice in 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 language that you used and it we should be doing more of what we need to be doing and i just i'm always reluctant to use words that are sort of finger pointing so i i would want to turn the dial down on the shoulds and the needs slightly and and really what we're trying to have Let's create some inspiration. Let's create some hope. And I, I'm concerned that words like should and need can actually be deflating. Because if you're telling me I should be doing something and I'm not, where's the inspiration to go out and fucking do it? Because I'm like, well, maybe there's a reason why I can't, so I won't. And that that's Great point. the first comment that I would make is that should is a dangerous word. I... You know, if if you're a younger man and you've got family responsibilities and obligations, maybe what you should be doing is a 
minimum wage job just to keep paychecks coming in and, you know, keep the lights on and food on the table. So I, I Gareth, I want to just clarify that this isn't, we're not romanticizing not fulfilling your obligations to yourself and your health and your loved one's health. This is not fuck everything, buy a shitty sailboat and go around the world and, you know, relinquish all responsibility. I think you can, you know, you can be a minimum wage guy and still be taking care of your soul. So there's a differentiator that I want to clarify that this isn't how much money you make. This isn't wearing expensive suits and going to a shiny office. This is about trying to find ways to create a healthy ecosystem within your own mind and body, within your own soul, that can also allow for social obligation and family obligation and responsibilities. But, and here's the but, and I know you and I try and avoid using that word, but what's imperative is you, you can't, you can't bitch about it and do nothing about it. You can't say my fucking job sucks and my boss is an asshole and I hate it and then still get up on a Monday morning and grind it out for 20 years. So it, there is, there is, and this may be a little counterintuitive, but there is a sort of core traditional value that as I get older, I'm becoming more and more aligned with that, you know, th think of our, our dads, for example. Um, when we were younger, and my dad's older now, so now he's a curmudgeon and he complains about everything. But when we were younger, like the, the stereotypical dad never complained about anything. Never went to the doctor, never bitched about his job. Uh, never bitched about doing doing chores just sort of heads down grind through life there's a version of that that i'm really drawn to but if you relinquish that version and you are notably unhappy in what it is you're doing then then becomes it it's imperative to change it so you can't have both you can't yeah. bitch and moan and let it deteriorate which is what you you said you know deteriorate your mental mental health and not do anything about it. Yeah, uh, agreed. I think the what kind of came to mind for me when you were talking was you have social responsibility. You know all the things you know the, the family all the things. Basically, let's call it responsibilities, right? Within your life, things that you have to uphold and continue to do. You need to be aware of that but you still need to be in the driver's seat. You can't say, oh, well, I've got all these things. It's really important. So now I'm just going to sit in the back and cruise along and be a passenger. So I think that if that kind of helps summarize and bring it together, I want to add, and, and we can we can branch off from here, is I, sit, I use the word, and great point, by the way, uh, to pull me up on that. One of the other reasons why I love our conversations is you pull those words out and those things I say. Let's replace the should with meant, what we're meant to be doing. Yes. Let's, uh, I know you love this word. Let's unpack that a little bit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what is, you know, what, do, what, okay. So what is it, what does it, what could it mean? And, and we're talking about men. So let's keep it about men. 
what could it mean if a man was doing what he was meant to be doing? Maybe the first part of that is you have to look at the entirety of an ecosystem and all the things that a man does within that ecosystem. A man is potentially a father, potentially a husband, likely an employee or an employer, uh, likely a son, et cetera, et cetera. So to say what you are meant to be doing and in, back in the old days, Gareth, you and I talked a lot about this. And unlike the term unpack, one of my favorite terms is ecosystem. You know, so I'm going to a really brutal metaphor here, but let's look at a, you know, look at a forest, which is an ecosystem. Well, what is that tree meant to be doing? That tree is meant to be doing exactly what that fucking tree is meant to be doing. That tree is not going to be a stream. The stream will not be a tree. The sunrise will, will not be a stream, et cetera, et cetera. So what we first have to understand as men, in my opinion, is what does your unique individual, not Tom's down the street, not the guy on fucking TV, what does your unique individual ecosystem look like? And what are the key components to that ecosystem and then what is each of those key components meant to be for you to be your best version? Maybe you're not meant to be a father or a husband. You know, maybe you're not meant to be an airline pilot. Maybe you're meant to be a librarian. So look at all the different facets. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes that men make, and certainly myself included for many, many years, is you identify and amplify one key component in your ecosystem and make that the one thing that will improve everything else. And that's simply not true. And usually for men, it's employment and money. A lot of men think, well, if I can make a million dollars a year, all the other shit will be perfect. And that's just not fucking true. Yeah. How many shitty marriages shitty, you know, heart conditions, diabetes, high blood pressure, health-related issues, mental health-related issues, men, uh, you know, suicide rates six times greater than, than women. So clearly it's not just a money thing. So in unpacking what we're meant to do, to me, that's first understanding. And, and go back to fucking kindergarten. Get some crayons and a piece of paper and draw a picture of your ecosystem. I'm a visual person. And put the key components. There could be three. There could be 23. Probably not. But what are the key components to your ecosystem? Then try and under understand where are they in their evolution of being as close as possible to what they're meant to be. Mm. I, lo I love that. In that I, I actually think kind of put that out there as a very macro thought and you did a great job of making it kind of micro which which i like um because it makes us just become a bit more self-aware and you know to your point the ecosystem why we've loved that for so long as an explanation is because if you you know to your point if you think about an ecosystem in nature you take one bit out of that or you affect that you know one little part of that ecosystem everything else deteriorates around it so it has to support 
itself and and to your point all those little bits of the micro so here's an extended question let's just zoom out now and and we can zoom back in on the micro let's just zoom out and say if everything in the ecosystem was more likely to evolve and elevate itself if we took an umbrella thought and said what are we meant to be doing and and what i mean by that is if we find like and it's it's whatever it is it could be your job it could be your career it could be your hobby it could be anything if you find that thing that you're meant to be doing with your life and it could just be like acts of service it could be you know that's that's me like that's where i am and i know that's what i'm meant to be doing it feeds my soul and the filter down as long as i'm aware the filter down goes into the rest of the ecosystem so is it and this is an interesting concept that i heard in a book recently about um how you find what you're meant to be doing and it's about finding where your zone of genius is or where you can get into that flow state where where everything you know time kind of stands still and you you might be a creative person so you have to do something creative versus what i think we're kind of leaning towards which is the the zone of excellence which is where most people sit which is i'm really good with numbers and i'm really organized so i'm going to go into a career in banking because i know i'm going to make a million dollars and i'm going to be able to provide everything but you're in this zone of excellence but it does not feed your soul mm -hmm. so do you think we can zoom out and if we take care and maybe what we're saying is the same thing can we take care of that what we're meant to be doing for our soul for us what we're here on the planet for and does that filter directly through In my opinion, and I think you and I can both attest to this, because our zone of excellence rewind about three years ago, for, ironically for both of us. We both became entrepreneurs, give or take, within about a year of each other. I was in a zone of excellence when I was not an entrepreneur. I was very good at what I did and did very well. Uh, I was not operating in a place of holistic soul nourishment. That only happened when I started doing what I was meant to be doing, which ironically was a very similar thing. I was just doing it with different drivers and with different motivators. And what I have found, and there's something that's really important for all men, when you are able to transition to that zone of genius, what you're meant to be doing, to me, that becomes armor plating against the world. Not in a derogatory way. I feel like I need, some people are going to go, oh, you're going to be, you know, this introvert and shut your, no, that's, I'm not suggesting we throw up walls and leave everything out. What I'm suggesting is each individual person that is able to evolve to this point they earn the shield of armor from the toxicity whether we like it or not the world is a tough fucking place from the toxicity that previously was likely to have infected us i know that my anxiety levels my mental health my stress levels Basically, anything bad that had a level was worse 
in my previous life. All all relevant measurable levels have, have come down and I am affected by so much less because I am doing what I am meant to be doing and still evolving. Let's be clear. It's not, you know, it's not the end. But I feel like when I get up in the morning and I come down to my office and I interact with clients and candidates, and when I interact with the world, I do so with a with a suit of armor on me. I'm like, you can't fucking hurt me. It just bounces off. So that's not that not that men need additional motivators or inspiration, but something to reflect on. And, and Gareth, you know, you you took you ascended us up to this macro perspective of this ecosystem. Men, if you can leave your house every morning and get into your car and drive to work wearing this Iron Man suit of of Kevlar armor and you're impermeable to, to toxicity and and hatred and bullshit. I mean, are you tell me you're going to be a better dad, a better spouse, a better employee, better to yourself? Of course you are. So that's about as macro, I think, as I can get. Yeah. No, I love that. No, actually, that's not true. I'll go one more level macro. So you and I are very, very dear friends to each other. And I think one of the reasons we are very dear friends is because we are both wearing our respective suit of armor and we can interact together without the noise of the world around us we can be intimately with each other not the noise i don't need to talk to you about how pissed off i am at the maple leafs or how trump is making me furious or i can actually talk to you and i can do so because i'm wearing armor that protects me from that bullshit as are you so at an even more macro level 10 of your closest friends, 100 members of your community, 1,000 members of your community, a million people in your country, they're all wearing these suits of armor? Like, tell me, what a better world is that? Mm. And the and the uh, the irony of the, um, and I love the the, the metaphor and the, uh, the Iron Man suit, the irony of that is it protects you from all that, but what it does is opens up your heart and your soul is basically what you're saying it enables you to be vulnerable and have those conversations and i'm sure we'll dive into this as well at some point there's a conversation there around vulnerability and maybe that maybe we're talking about again the same thing maybe by protecting ourselves from that we're opening up that space for vulnerability um it it's really so I want to I want to finish off this part before we move on. Maybe we'll move on to vulnerability. So can here's I, a. Sh- I say, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. go. I thought you were leaving. Sorry, Gareth. I thought you were leaving vulnerability, but you're saying we're going to get back to it. Yeah, and the reason being is here's the here's the struggle. In your opinion, how do we? And I'll share a short story about it. Where do where do we go? You know, physically, mentally, emotionally to figure out the difference between genius and our zone of excellence. And let's be clear, our zone of excellence, just to summarize, is what we're really, really good at and it's typically what we pay the bills with. Uh, a zone of genius is a little bit more like, you know, feeding your soul. So I'm personally 
in a interesting place where when I've come across this terminology and wording over the last year or so, and I, and I, I can't remember the book, but I heard it in a book originally is how do you really know? Cause I figured out that as I've become an entrepreneur and I've lent more into my creativity, I'm starting to get the feeling that my zone of genius is in creativity and not necessarily. And, and I even said it earlier on in the show, and some of you are going to listen to this and pick, pick me up on this. I think acts of service is actually, or, or things linked to that. I'm going to talk about coaching, all the things that I do. And anyone that listens knows what I do is I think that's more my zone of excellence. And I actually think creativity and creativity in solitude is actually my zone of genius. So how do we, how do we even start to make a decision or start to figure out which one it really is? Just if you had any thoughts, big question that I dumped on you. Well, I think one of the key words would be permission. Yeah. And one thing that you've actually helped me with over the years is identifying um, that there's gray in existence. It's not, everything's not absolute black and white, that there is gray. So if we temper this conversation with a shade of gray and we give permission to each other to suggest make a million bucks at the bank in your zone of excellence and write poems on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. in your underwear. Like it, it's, and I've used this word often, God, I can't believe I'm about to do this again, but Think of that forest metaphor. There is a lot of nourishment and each component, each core, sorry, what did I say earlier? Each key piece to that ecosystem requires different nourishment. Trees need water and sunlight. Uh, you know, carnivores need meat. Herbivores need blah, blah, blah. I think you know where I'm going with this. It's okay. Permit yourself to be both permit yourself and here's i think when you give yourself permission as long as there is a version of you that and i my guess would be gareth for you it's structured but for some people it may just be uh whenever it they feel inspired give yourself permission to live in that zone of genius on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. when your kids are still asleep. And likely that will that will aid in the armor you wear while living in your zone of excellence. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's not, fuck it, I quit my job. And then you're homeless in a month. And then you're like writing Gareth Knox saying, you son of a bitch, you told me to do this. Like, don't be an idiot. But yeah. I think it's okay to do both. And and it's, I think what you'll find is the more you, like it becomes contagious when you, and you may have seen this in your own house and certainly in your circle of friends, it becomes contagious and something really unique will happen invariably. And you and I've talked about this a lot over the years. This is a really important disclaimer. And if I'm getting too off script, then just kick me and let me know we all need to understand something and 
over the past four years, I have seen my fair share of what it is I'm about to say. Evolution at a macro or micro level, and really that's what we're talking about. We're talking about evolution. We're talking about evolving you as a man and evolving you as your ecosystem. Evolution is fucking brutal. Like species die off. Things that are not necessary and are not meant to survive die off in evolution. That might be your high school friend. That might be your employer. That might be a habit that you thought was a good one, but now come to understand is actually not. So you need to, as much as if you are willing to embrace this evolutionary path to becoming the best version of yourself, evolving your ecosystem, and perhaps finding a few key areas where you are doing what you are meant to be doing or being what you are meant to be, you also have to embrace the brutality of it that's the that's the truth we all need to hear right there uh me included um we uh we hang on um to we hang on to so many things that don't feed us doesn't feed our soul doesn't take us through that journey and i i, I love that totally use this conversation for my own benefit um which you know my podcast i do what i want um but i was leaving <laughs> leaning towards what what you had alluded to that i don't need to choose what i need to do is be more aware so within my business i am leaning more towards the tasks that require creativity the creation of things and little things like i've been learning how to build out the website on my own because it's a very creative process i'd be like to do a lot of stuff in the back end of you know the software i just and and this is a, another thing you know give yourself permission sometimes you need to hear it you need to get permission from what you hear so i'll share this story i uh decorated the office at our studio a couple of weekends back i went in at 5 a.m spent four or five hours a couple of days in a row where kind of everyone was you know lounging around at the weekend in the mornings and it's literally a, a box, no windows. And I just locked myself in there. I cleared up, I decorated, I did all these little, and I had, you know, my podcast on or a, a book on in the background. And it, it feels kind of like, I don't know if what I'm trying to say is if you're listening to this today and whatever you, you think is that kind of zone of genius for you, somewhere where you just feel alive, you get lost in time, you don't need to be embarrassed by it. Like I'm kind of a bit, I was almost a bit embarrassed to tell that. So like I locked myself up and decorated an office on my own with no one there, no light, no nothing. But then I'm like, it, you know what? I, I don't, the only person I need to get permission from is myself to be yeah. open enough to say, that's okay. If that's what you like doing, right. If that's what you enjoy, if it's, you know, I don't know, whatever you might like, like you said, painting in your basement, writing a poem in your underwear, like whatever it is like you don't need anyone else's permission to do that. And if it feeds your soul and to your point, if it lets you go out in the world and maybe you use your zone of excellence to pay the bills and support your family and provide and, you know, all those other things, then you're on a good thing. Very well said. And I'm now picturing you as an interior decorator, which that's, that's going to take me a minute to wrap my head around that. But it, there, so there are some many things you and I have in common. But I think one of the one of the biggest things is 
which may saying may sound counterintuitive. Um, working. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Productive alone time is one of my most soul feeding things to do. You know, winterizing the house, you know, putting patio furniture away, trimming hedges. Um, uh, I think, you know, for me, I, I hunt. So, you know, going in the woods, uh, you know, acts of service for yourself in solitude. Like, tell me this, when you when you were done your four or five hours and then you saw your family. Were you recharged and in a really joyful place or, you know, were you solemn and and bitchy because you had to fucking do something stupid? Dad and husband of the year for the rest of the weekend. No. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not rocket science. Like if and there's there's something else that, that we could talk about. I don't know how we're doing for time, but there's something else that we could talk about is we've used the word permission and blah blah vulnerability and all that great adjectives. But something which took so long for me to actually go, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Your your body's telling you. And, and for many of us, the signs may start as, as subtle. It may be a, ugh, I hit snooze two more times on the alarm clock, and it, it just takes more to, to greet my day. Um, it, it, it may be, you know, oh, I, I, I'm a little more curt with my family, and I really don't have the patience. Uh, you know, it, it may be, flipping the finger at somebody when you're driving to work because you're just that much closer to the edge of your, your temper. And, and if we choose to ignore those, those subtle communications of our, our soul is talking to us. And if we choose to ignore those for long enough, well, then you got cancer or a heart attack or a stroke or this or that, like then your body goes, okay, I'm going to turn the volume up to 11 and now you're going to listen. So don't ignore yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the other things that we as men, oh boy, there it is. <laughs> one of the other things that we as men, if I say we're guilty of, that implies that it's someone else's fault and that's not fair. And if I say culpable, that implies that it's our fault and that's not fair. So whatever the word is that exists in between those two terms, but one of the things that men, <clears throat> one of the things that men are, is we are accommodating the needs of the people around us. You know, you've got to end this podcast to go get Harley, and then you probably got a couple bills to pay, and oh shit, that needs another coat of paint, and. Uh, you know, the driveway needs shoveling and the this and the that and the this and the that. And I'm not suggesting that any of those things shouldn't exist because, frankly, that's what being a fucking adult is. But that can't come at the cost of not paying attention to yourself. When you are communicating with you, listen. Mm -hmm. And that that's a um, that's a really, really many times I think you're smart. 
but that's a particularly smart point because it leans into <laughs> trying not to spit your water out um i was drowned i just took a sip of water and you made me laugh and i almost fucking drowned it's true you can drown in an inch of water yeah it, it's it's so smart because it's the awareness the self-awareness in in evolution is you don't you don't start evolving as a human being without self-awareness now here's the problem with self-awareness is it takes it takes a really uncomfortable or sorry it is a really uncomfortable place to be for a and, lot of people yeah yeah and we we avoid it and we all do it different levels i avoid sometimes that self-awareness because sometimes that's what i have to do um I, I think the more obviously you're aware of it the less you do it and you know the more you can sit in that but this is why things like you know, walks out in nature with no technology, meditation, like whatever it is that you do, those those times in solitude are so hard for so many people because you have to have yeah. tough conversations with yourself. And and we as men aren't doing that enough between us as men. And I think that's affecting how often we can do it in our own heads and have those conversations with ourselves. I think they both evolve and those the those conversations we we do it more often the more we do it you know they both run side by side is what i'm trying to say hmm you know it it, it makes me think of that little experiment that that i asked you to do a couple of years back I, I don't know if you actually did it um but being able to so you know the experiment was right before you shower typically you're naked you're most vulnerable and you're most exposed physically. I wouldn't suggest doing this in your local gym. Um, you know, probably do this at home when you have solitude. And likely not, you know, when you've got your two kids getting ready for school and they're coming in to try and brush their teeth. But this little experiment was stripping down to your most physically vulnerable state and then leaning in close and making eye contact with yourself in the bathroom mirror and allowing yourself to give praise, giving yourself uh, two or three comments of praise and then giving yourself two or three comments of truth. And maybe you're fat, maybe you have a short temper maybe you're an exceptional cook maybe 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 but having this conversation and i did it and it was one of the most fucking uncomfortable things i've ever done which makes no sense because it's me like there's nobody there it's not being recorded it's not a two-way mirror i'm not talking to a stranger well ironically it felt like i was talking to a stranger and this was at the beginning of my evolution is when i when i did this little experiment mm -hmm. So there's something maybe fun for your, your male or female, but fun for your listeners to try and do and, and, you know, pop in some comments in your feed is have a conversation with yourself looking, you know, eye contact and you will have no choice. You are never a better listener than when you're looking at your own reflection. And, and that, that forces you to turn your fucking ears on. I do remember that and I did do it awkwardly. Um, and, and interestingly enough, it, it aligned with some, some 
I, I guess a time in my life where I thought there were some things I should do going back to that again. And one of them was, one of them was journaling and one was meditation. And I had played with this and I'd read about how, you know, you need to get up at 4am and have an ice bath and journal and meditate. <laughs> and, and some people should, let's be clear. I'm not poking fun at that. If that's what you want to do, that's great. However, it's, you have to, to a point, you need to find what you're meant to do. And that experiment, I didn't continue to do that. But what I did do, and you, you've you heard this and many of the listeners have heard it, but I'll share it again, is it led me um, into this path of very simplified journaling. And part of that is expressing what you're proud of mm. for you and then looking at where you can evolve and then what you're grateful for. And here's the issue with like a gratitude journal or journaling about what you're grateful for is I don't think as men, we do it very well because I think we always go, Oh, what are we grateful for? And then we go back and we, we're constantly running through this cycle of things they could have done better. And oh, I could have done this and yeah, but I, I did it like that and I shouldn't have. So this process helped me in that looking in the mirror and having that conversation of you know things I'm good at things where I excel and then things where I can get better. And, and that was the perfect way to do it. So I just went through that simple, like one word, what am I proud of? Where can I evolve? Yeah. And then what am I grateful for? And it helped me every single day. There was never a stutter in what I was grateful for. But up until that point, I couldn't sit and actually find things outside of the obvious. You know, I'm grateful for fresh air and a you know a roof over my head. Outside of that, you get through a few days and then you, you can't find anything. That really helped me. And what it also did, and I talk about this within my, you know, in my business all the time. And when I'm coaching my clients is you have to, to create forward momentum in your evolution, you need to be able to celebrate success because when you wake up the next day, that day where you just don't want to get up, you don't want to go for that run. You don't want to get up and drive to the office. If you are constantly going back to what you did wrong or the things you can do better or where you're a failure, then that just perpetuates that same cycle over and over again. And then I can't be asked. I don't want to do the workout. So that falls off. I don't want to go to my job or I'm late all the time. And then I get fired rather than saying, Hey, I can evolve, but I'm going to celebrate my success. I'm going to celebrate what I did do in my workout. And I'm using workout because of what, you know, my environments I'm in, you celebrate what you did do, even if it was just turning up. Cause then when you wake up and you feel shitty the next day and you don't want to go, you go, Hey, you know what? I'm really proud that I made it the other day and that felt good. So I'm going to do it again. And then I'm going to do it again. And guess what? Consistency is the the root of every single thing that anyone's ever achieved. So it, it they go so closely and so hand in hand. At the risk of sounding cynical, while I agree with everything that you just said, we must also resist the temptation to placate ourselves with obvious successes. Yeah. See, I I, I actually think there should be minimum standards. And yeah, I use that word very deliberately. There should be minimum standards that don't get celebrated. That sometimes I have, I have met people in my life, the celebration of their mediocrity is actually what prevents them from ever pushing hard to accomplish greatness and likely the people that are most intimate in your life if you have a correctly built ecosystem likely those are the people that 
if they're able to be transparent with you, will tell you, stop fucking celebrating your mediocrity. Uh, and I know that's, you and I are very blessed to have that kind of a relationship. Like, if you ever said to me, hey, Carl, you know what I did today, buddy? And I'm so proud of myself. I told my daughter I loved her. I'm sorry, wouldn't allow you to celebrate that. That's a minimum standard. That's, as a father, that is at least what I expect from you. Hey, Carl, you know what I did today is, uh, you know, Harley and I had this incredible experience where we went and she caught her first fish. And, you know, we we gutted it and we ate it together by the campfire. Like that to me, that's, oh, that's fucking cool. That's cool. So, just to the listeners out there, don't don't celebrate mediocrity because that's not going to get you any closer to what you're meant to do. Yeah. Would you would you agree or disagree that I think you're kind of saying that, but would you agree or disagree that that is very subjective based on where you are in your journey? And I'm I'm I can't I'm going back to the the fitness, the nutrition. I mean, it could be anything, but depending on where you are now, I'm very fortunate that I have people like you and Nikki and other people in my life that, you know, support me and I'm in a good place mentally, physically, emotionally. If I was in a deep state of despair, you know, I was going through depression or I was, you know, let's say I was on a, I'll use a fitness and nutrition example. Cause I come across this a lot. I'm 500 pounds and I've got such a bad relationship with myself and my body and my food and my exercises, is there, I guess what I'm trying to say, is mediocrity relevant? It's entirely relevant. And it's also entirely relative. And I'll just use your example. If a 500-pound person loses... I'm, I'm just suggesting that the assumption would be that he or she wants to lose weight. Yeah. I mean, even the strongest man in the world four years in a row, Brian Shaw is not 500 pounds. So let's make an assumption that this isn't that person. Yeah. The, the evolution in that individual's weight loss journey and maybe it's only two pounds, three pounds, five pounds a week. To me, that's not mediocre. Mediocrity is celebrating the fact that I didn't put on more weight, maybe. Mediocrity is creating an ecosystem that that allows you to have th a, this toxicity in your life. That's mediocrity. The moment you take your first step towards evolution, you're no longer mediocre. And as I said earlier, remember what I said about uh, evolution is that, and I should have added this word to it, all unnecessities and anything not tough enough doesn't survive. Evolution, the brutality of it is evolution kills it off. Evolution kills off mediocrity. Only exceptional things evolve. There's a reason why we don't have tails and, and are swimming in a pond still. The exceptional version of humanity is what evolved. And any species that exists, it is the most exceptional version of itself. And in the moment it's not, this is barring human intervention, but the moment it's not, 
it doesn't exist anymore. It just gets snipped out of that evolutionary trail. It hooks a left and evolution goes right. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> um i i really love that and, and i'll go back to the example you used because i think anyone hearing that maybe this is powerful as a let's go back to the being a dad example like you said if i say i told harley i loved her and you were like i expect that if you're an absent father that's never had the bravery to speak those words to your child and you do it for the first time absolutely that's a celebration yeah, yeah. good good call out yeah. Let's be clear. When I said that, I was talking to you. Yeah. I'm not talking to the listeners. Yeah. And and you're right. Like if my dad ever looked me in the eye and held my cheeks and made eye contact and said, I love you, oh, I'd be a fucking puddle. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um so yeah. And and I would call you and we would celebrate. Yeah. Um and I think there's there's something else here that it might be a a, a final topic. It might be a good wrap up point too and and let's be clear this conversation could be we could do you know split it over four episodes and we'd still be going but the the point that you made which i love is only exceptional things survive evolution i challenge everyone listening now to just paint a picture of humanity to your point everything that's excellent has evolved right things have dropped off and you know all of those things have happened but now look at, if you, if you heard what I heard initially, which was, wow, well, if this is excellence, if humanity is excellence, maybe we're in trouble. That's where my mind went. And then I tried to zoom out a bit and I'm like, you know what? What that tells me is that excellent things have survived evolution, but nothing's perfect. So we, I agree that we've got to this place. Like you said, we don't have tails. We're not swimming in a pond. However, we've got a lot of room to continue that evolution. We've got a lot of space where we can do better as human beings. But that's important to remember too, that no one's perfect. And if we strive for perfection, we typically leads us to that all or, all or nothing mentality. And that doesn't give us that continued evolution. So again, maybe we have to celebrate we've got this far, but we've got so much room to grow still, if that makes any sense. It does. And as I said a couple of times, we can't ignore and, and the, the macro human condition is no different than the micro, Michael, micro uh, individual man. Uh, evolution has brutality. So if you take a look at what's going on around the world, there are countless examples of brutality that's all part of our evolutionary journey so no 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 species is is immune to it mm. so here's a sorry gareth i need to just say one quick thing yeah because you you've you referenced a couple examples you, you know, 500 pounds or somebody that's, uh, you know, in a really, really dark, deep state of depression. Likely people that are, that are in that place in their life, likely uh, immediate and consistent therapeutic and clinical help is what you need you don't need this fucking podcast <laughs> yeah um 
I want to be clear if any of your listeners, you know, so I, I have a family member and, and I won't get into specifics, but I have a family member that for many years through love and support and cathartic conversations like the one you and I are having right now for many years, it was completely ineffective. Uh, self-harm, addiction, um, um, sexual addiction, drug addiction, suicidal, uh, five or six suicidal attempts. And it, it got to the point where we, we as, as the family, just said, okay, clearly this isn't working consistent and and significant and immediate clinical consistent help was what was required so if you are in a very deep dark place unfortunately canada doesn't have a ton of resources i'm sure gareth could help maybe sort of point in the right direction but please get help yeah yeah really really well said really important um asking for help is hard that maybe actually leads into my final question and um, and yes i mean that can't be said enough that there are there are times when we have to you know like you said listening to a podcast is not going to be enough um will it help maybe <laughs> maybe maybe if you're still listening potentially um so yeah it could be it could be a powerful tool but it's you know it's one of the tools in the toolbox depending on and to your point like you said earlier it's it's relevant and it's relative right? The, where you, where you're at is going to be relevant to what kind of help that you need. So the final question is, and I think I already know the answer, but the final question is, where do we start? This is a great conversation, but it's also could be very overwhelming and anxiety inducing for a lot of people because there was so much depth and so much information. Where do you start? Where do you start improving your mental health as a man? That's a great question, and I want to respect your time, so I'll I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible. I have started and stopped this journey several times, and I have stopped this journey because it wasn't evolving in a direction that I I I needed it to. So you take a beat you recalibrate, you try and you start again. So after multiple attempts of starting and stopping this evolutionary journey, what I have come to believe is it all starts with vulnerability. And this is an example that I know resonates with you. And for men, specific to men, I envision vulnerability as, as a handshake. And if I outstretch my hand, ergo, I offer you my vulnerability. I need to make sure that the person to whom I'm offering that vulnerability, my handshake, is likely to reach out to me as well and grasp my hand and embrace it momentarily. And we'll have that moment. And what I believe is most scary for men is that they reach that hand out and offer that handshake of vulnerability only to see that person with their hands in their pocket not willing, ready, or able to extend that hand. So where you start, I believe, is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gareth, but 
I think I was probably one of the first people other than your, you know, your spouse, but I was probably one of the first men in your life where you were truly comfortable constantly extending that hand and, and truly comfortable being vulnerable because you always knew my hand was right there waiting for you. So identify an individual in your life. And this may be somebody that is, is clinical. This may be a therapist. But identify somebody in your life that you are confident when you reach your handshake of vulnerability out to that individual that they are going to embrace it and return it. And that's where you start. Mm. Who the fuck knows where it's going to go because it's going to be relevant and relative for everyone. But that's where you start. And I'm going to do this again, but you just simply start talking. Conversations are are definitely the 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 fuel to power this whole whatever you want to call it movement on. And and then I think it's fair to say, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's fair to say that if we if that's where we start, we also as men have a responsibility to both offer and receive vulnerability. So, you know, try and be that person for others, even if it's not, if it's not you, you know, wanting to share something or start that conversation is be open and accepting and to receiving that because when it gets shut down, that's what puts us back on the Island on our own. Yep. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Um, So first of all, thank you for listening, everyone for tuning in. I know that, you pulled something valuable from this conversation. So please share it with someone you love and care about someone that could be empowered and impacted by this conversation. Uh, my good friend, Carl, thank you for being here. Your time, knowledge, friendship, everything is very important to me and I'm very grateful. So uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you, brother. Uh, as always, it was a pleasure chatting with you. And as you said, we could do this, uh, you know, well, we have done this. We could do this for many, many hours. So always happy to, always happy to come back uh, if you'll have me. I'm, I'm sure that will be on the uh, agenda in the future. Uh, that's it for this week's episode. I look forward to bringing you some more on this incredible topic topic through the month of November, and then back to our more uh, traditional fitness content from December this year. As I said, thanks for listening. We appreciate it when you share and spread the love. Um, that's how what makes the world of podcasting go round and round. And that's it. We'll catch you on next week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed the show, share it with at least one person and please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple. It really helps us reach more people. Come join our community by heading over to our website or finding us on social media. All links are in the show notes. And remember, the world of fitness is 10% facts and 90% opinion. <laughs>